The following podcast contains explicit language. You're listening to the Cinematography Podcast presented by Hot Rod Cameras, a program about the art, craft and philosophy of the moving image and the people who make it happen. Coming to you from the world headquarters of Hot Rod Cameras in Hollywood, California, are your hosts, Ben Rock and Ilya Friedman. Hey, Ilya. It is bonus episode time. All right, bonus episode. And it's going to be a good bonus episode, too. Something we have never done before. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> what no, is it? it's a good it's What a haven't good we done before? We've never interviewed someone in a foreign language. And I had the opportunity to interview cinematographer Zhao Ding Zhao. Sweet. And uh, I, I did my best to pronounce that. I hope I, I did an okay job. But he is the cinematographer behind a movie that you can watch right now on Netflix called Shadow. And Shadow is a Chinese martial arts film. And it's fantastic. It's totally Ooh. worth watching. Really, really incredible. And we have a great interview coming up right now. Excellent. But before the interview, uh, I believe we have a piece of mail you wanted to read. You're right. I do want to read that piece of mail. Uh, we got a really nice fan email from Malcolm Parker, who is an expat Canadian in Guangzhou, China right now. Whoa. He writes that he is taking a break in editing his company's monthly video info show, and he really, really enjoyed the Brendan Davis episode, and he agrees with just about everything he says. And he said he just sent a bunch of masks back to his friend in New York because she couldn't get any. Oof. And he said in Guangzhou, they weren't locked down there because the virus didn't hit as hard as Brendan had alluded to. But the response was substantial and people stayed inside, hunkered down. And unlike Brendan, he didn't know anyone personally who actually had it. So but he said that they are a little bit out of the uh, out of the weeds now. And he sees that offices are starting to open up back uh, again. Restaurants and uh, seating is very, very controlled. But sadly, the cinemas are still closed, which is a real bummer since he was uh, looking forward to seeing Little Women and Jojo Rabbit. But, you know, he understands Both awesome caution, films. Yeah. He understands caution is needed right now. And he yeah. he he ends his 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 very nice long email to us. Uh, Stay safe, guys. And thank you for the great shows that you put out. And now I've got a few more podcasts of Brendan's to listen to. So, Excellent. Yeah, I know. So Brendan's, Brendan's yeah. an amazing podcaster. So definitely hit that. I, I think it's a longer question than we're going to tackle here in a special episode, but when the movie theaters reopen is, uh, is, is kind of an ongoing debate. Like, uh, didn't they say, uh, didn't Disney say they were going to release Mulan in August? Uh, it was July, but, uh, but I think that things are very fluid at the moment and yeah. they could slip and slide as, as the, it's going to have to changes. Be. Yeah. Uh, without further ado, let's get to the interview. Excellent. The Cinematography Podcast Interview. My guest on the show today is Zhao Ding Zhao, and uh, he is the Oscar-nominated cinematographer from House of Flying Daggers and many other fantastic movies, but I'm here to talk to him today at the Camera Image Film Festival about a new movie, or a relatively new movie, although it's uh, been out in certain parts of the world and already a, a huge hit, called Shadow. I'm very interested to talk to you about the look of this movie because, first of all, it's beautiful. And it also has lots of intrigue, and it's almost Shakespearean in scope. The color, uh, IMDb actually made, someone on IMDb made a note that it almost felt like uh, a certain type of ink wash painting was the look for this movie. And I wanted to find out uh, what your thought was for uh, creating the color palette for Shadow. 
It's interesting that you mentioned the story being somewhat convoluted with a lot of plots, different subplots, because when Zhang Yimou starts a new movie, he always tries to do something different from what he's done before. And his previous movies have been very colorful, different color palettes, but all very colorful. And he had always been hoping to find a movie that would lend itself to, this is not a black and white movie, but it is a movie that has a look and feel of a Chinese inkbrush painting. And Chinese inkbrush paintings, if you've seen them, there's very black calligraphy on rice paper, but there's also very many shades of gray. There's lots of things that mysteriously recede into the distance. And like in this story, there's a lot of mystery and there's a lot of things that we don't know about these individuals and what is their true self, what are they faking, who's the pawn, who's being played, and all of that stuff. So he felt that this script and this story lent itself to this type of aesthetic, and that's why we decided to develop it in this way. Yeah, it's far from black and white. Yeah, there, there's lots of color, and I particularly think of blood. <laughs> there's, yes. there's a lot of blood. It's a lot of red. Going for this sort of uh, monochromatic look and then having so much red contrast, it feels very intentional. It, fe- it makes the blood even seem that much more graphic. And I just wanted to ask if that was intentional, if that was always the idea to have red be a color that, that pops out from, mm-hmm. from everything else. We did not intentionally exaggerate the red color, but because of the way that we created the production design for the movie, with all the sets being built in black, gray, and white, with you know the colors of white silk and all of those beautiful background paintings and things like that, but what you see on the screen is actually what the sets look like. And the same with the costume design. All of the costumes were designed in that kind of ink wash look of uh, grays and blacks, like almost like calligraphy on silk. So when we had the natural color of skin and of blood, it looked all the more prominent because the background was so restrained in its palette. And yeah, that was part of the development. We knew that that would happen. We knew that that would be the effect but it supports the story in a way because the blood represents the powerful emotions underlying this story, but they're operating in an environment of sort of a hazy, misty, layers and layers of misunderstanding and misdirection. Yeah. That's an, a very eloquent way to put it, actually much more eloquent than IMDb's description. But uh, you bring up sets. As I was watching this, it feels like it was very much shot on location, certainly the exteriors. But I know these days with visual effects, it's much more common to fake these things. When I'm seeing these beautiful vistas, are you inside of a stage or were you on location for, for much of the, the natural beauty? The location shooting that you saw, one was the, the sort of a deteriorated, almost looked like a, a dead city in a bamboo forest. We shot that, we built that and we shot it on location and we actually planted the bamboo. Oh wow. Because director Zhang wanted a certain color of bamboo. Unlike House of Flying Daggers, which was very, very green bamboo forest, he wanted something that felt more gray, Mm. more silver gray. So that was all shot on location. The city where the battle took place Mm. was built from scratch 
purpose-built for our movie by a location in Hubei province, just south of the Yangtze River, which is actually where the historical story took place. Mm -hmm. And that was all real shooting, uh, no VFX. But the mountains in the background, you know, that really look like an inkbrush painting, those were, we sent people to take photographs of these famous mountain ranges. And we also had painting references of real mountain ranges and then we digitized them to put them into the movie so they weren't actually vfx created because they were from the true image of the mountains ah all right well that's a very clever way to to do it to use the actual the the actual place and just composite in with everything else correct you've mentioned the director and forgive me if i get this wrong zimu zhang zhang yimou zhang yimou Oh my God! I, from the spelling, I, 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 I would Fine. not, I would not have guessed. <laughs> okay, uh, Zhang Yimou, uh, incredible body of work, famous to American audiences, of course, as the director of *Raise the Red Lantern* and so many other movies. The two of you have a wonderful chemistry together. You've done so many movies together now. Tell me what your what the relationship is like when you approach a, a movie like this. How does that come together? The most important factor is that Zhang Yimou started his career as a cinematographer. And his his way of thinking about everything from how the actors look, uh, color palette to be used, uh, different angles that are cool, although he uses that as a director to tell the story, but their way of thinking and uh, uh, certain types of shots and scenes, they actually share the same passion for certain things, and so it's quite easy for them to have a shared language in terms of how to develop a movie. It seems to me that with this movie, you may have made it difficult on yourselves and that so much of it takes place in the rain. Uh, <laughs> Tell me a little bit about working in in the water, both because I, I believe it might be raining in some, inside some of your sets, but definitely uh, on your exteriors. What sort of extra complications does working in so much water bring to the production? The reason that we chose to tell the story in the rain, it was all integrated with the action design. And with the, the only advantage that the attackers had, that you know, the Pei Kingdom had in taking back their city, was that they were uh, adapted to fighting in the rain. They used the power of the water, they used the slipperiness of the slopes, and they used that umbrella, which was you know, weaponized, but they used it in a way that it takes momentum from water and uses it against the harder, kind of more traditional weapon techniques that the uh, General Yang had with his great sword fighting and all that. And so it was really integral to this that we had to shoot it in a rainy environment. It was very, the, the lighting was very, very difficult because we had to use soft kind of lighting, but in a lot of the scenes we're trying to get to a contrast, a high contrast, you know, between light and dark or the shadow and the real or the reflection and the this and the, some of those scenes where the lighting on the faces of the women was just so outstanding. And yet to do that in a wet and dark environment was very challenging. And, and talking about the in- interiors, which weren't so wet, there, were, there was a lot of black, but 
there was a lot of articulation and different shades within the blacks. It was a very, very complex kind of palette there, which was good because when we went into post-production and were doing the VFX, there was a lot of data there that we could use effectively. The movie makes use of very judicious moments of slow motion to heighten the effect of a certain stunt choreography. It feels very planned and coordinated, but at the same time, it also feels very... It doesn't call attention to itself. It feels very well integrated into everything that's happening. It feels like a natural moment for the action to slow down. When, when planning out the stunts and the choreography for slow motion, do you have a tendency to, to overshoot, to shoot a lot of slow motion and then just pick the exact moments? Or is it only, is it you, you know going in that we're just going to take this one little piece and make that the real focus of attention? And those moments in the movie are all stunning. And I think that they, they will be the moments that people remember when watching a lot of the sequences. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we, we actually filmed a lot. You film it on high speed, a lot of it, because we felt that there were certain things that we wanted to capture, not just the, the action. And of course, because it was a feminine style of fighting, it's going to be slower motions and more fluid motions, but also the floating fabrics, you know, the beautiful, like the flowing silk and all that. We, we knew that we had to capture a lot of that because it was sort of inherent to the, the tone of the story and the rhythm of the action. So we, we did sh- shoot quite a lot of that. That's wonderful. Um, one of the things that we really like to hear from the story of how you got to be in the position that you are now, how you got the bug for cinematography, how you you um, you came to this place r- right now that we're sitting here. Uh, can you tell us just a little bit about uh, when you started this and 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 how that happened? He actually started when he was young. He was a speed skater. And that was what he wanted to do, but he was injured, and he could no longer do that competitively. But he stayed with the um, athletic team, and he took up photography, and he started doing still photos of the athletes, and then he started to film video of the athletes. He really liked that, so he decided after he'd done that for a little while to apply to film school in the cinematography department. And he was actually um, accepted to the Beijing Film Academy, which is the most prestigious film academy in China. Yeah. Very, very famous. Yes. Uh, So um, after he graduated from film school, um, he worked with a couple of directors who actually graduated in the same class as Zhang Yimou. And he worked on a couple of films. But it didn't really catch on with him. He didn't, I don't know, he didn't feel inspired by it. So he started doing work on uh, filming commercials and did that for five or six years. And then Zhang Yimou invited him to work with him on a trailer announcement film for the Beijing Olympics, which was a very, very big deal for China. And they had a very successful collaboration on that. And then Zhang Yimou asked him if he would like to work with him on some of his features, and that's when they started. And they've now made 11 movies together.
Wow. That's a wonderful collaboration. That's that's uh, fantastic. Um, Is there a particular genre or type of movie that you uh, prefer to work in over all others? Do you really enjoy the action and drama or is there something else that you that you prefer? He actually likes historical subject matter because there's a lot more opportunity for inventiveness and creation when you're not working on a contemporary movie that's set in the society that we all know. And so he, he really loves that type of film. It's said that a very successful uh, cinematographer is part artist and part plumber. Uh, plumber. <laughs> this, this is true. <laughs> Everyone has a split between the, the artist part and the plumber part. Uh, I think I know because of the beautiful images that you create, but I know that they're also very technical. So um, do you consider yourself uh, much more artist or maybe more technical? The technical and the artistic have to be equally strong to be a successful DP. And he feels that that's what he's achieved. I think that's a wonderful place to leave it. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It was really wonderful to have you. This has been the Cinematography Podcast, presented by Hot Rod Cameras. Find your next camera, lens, or accessory on the web at hotrodcameras.com. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes and connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.